Small Business Focus on The Money Show. It's 11 This is The Money Show. It is a Thursday night. Pavlo Fatidis from Auric Business Incubator joins us at this time every Thursday and he talks about issues in small business. And because he is at the coal face of South Africa's small business sector, he generally has a very good idea as to what exactly is bothering you and your small business. But if there's anything else you want to talk about outside of our realms of discussion this evening, we'll take your calls. Of course we will. Uh, on 021-446-0567-011-8830702. Currency showed a little bit of strength on the day. It was uh, beginning to trend a little stronger after the European Central Bank bizarrely cut interest rates by 0.1 of a percent. Um, we've agreed on the money show this evening that it's more symbolic than it is going to make any difference at all. Um, but here is the, the situation uh, where we find ourselves in, Pablo, where big businesses can take out big contracts and they can go to currency specialists and they can go to the trading desk of these currency specialists and they can buy themselves forward protection and they can get uh, professional advice and they can pay the fees for that advice. And, and that's all well and good. But if you're in the small business space and um, you're a manufacturer, you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, um, the currency can be pretty devastating. It can be very devastating. And in fact, some of these big businesses that you're referring to I do some interesting work with, and they're pegging the Rand dollar at around 13 to 1 around August or so. Hold on a second. I just need a bucket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this particular business imports about 13 billion rands worth of raw materials a year into its production process, and that's where they, that's where they are assuming the peg is going to be. So here's the thing. Big businesses, as you rightly say, have got all these contracts that they can put in place, they can secure their business, they can create some kind of predictability. But what big businesses can't do, small businesses can do really well. And that is, Bruce, they can turn on and say, okay, in South Africa, we've got a depreciating currency. We have a unique heritage, something that's very distinctive to us. We have an English-speaking business environment. And English really is the business of the world as a language. Yep. And finally, we have a very unique set of agreements. And a typical example is the American or the African Growth and Opportunity Act that allows certain products to go into the American markets without any duties. If you look at what's happening overseas, and I was there a few weeks ago, the economies are generally quite flat. There's high competition for a diminished market without a doubt. And people are looking for new opportunities in their supply chain. So as an entrepreneur, if you are small enough to be flexible enough, if you have the right entrepreneurial attitude, there are a whole lot of opportunities you can capitalize on now to build a business not only in this poor economy, but something that will blossom and bloom when conditions worsen. And you do sound like the knights who say ni. Uh, and you, we know that from the Monty <laughs> Python skit, of course, um, where, where they just won't take no for an answer. And you can do absolutely anything to them. And they the have to say, Ni, and um, they will not be put down. Uh, however, in the, the, the real world of day-to-day business and the people that you talk to on a daily basis, Pablo, you must be seeing long faces, depression, and gray hairs sprouting from people's nostrils and their ears. Yeah, I am. I am. Extensively so. And so let's just clarify the market that I do speak to. Mm. These are businesses doing turnovers of around 5 million a year up to about 50 million a year. They're yep. small businesses. Yep. So let's talk about one in particular. This individual, his name is Preston. He's in his 40s. He's got some really good technical skill in clothing design. 
Lovely. And you might think back, especially in the Cape Town environment, yep. in and around, I believe it was the late 80s, early 90s, there was a brand called Rip Torn. I remember Rip Torn. Remember Rip Torn? Yes. He is the inspiration behind it. He is the guy who made Rip Torn and brought Rip Torn into the market. Okay. And he sat back and he looked at a very interesting development occurring in South Africa. He saw that more and more people started to find themselves wanting and buying and using big motorbikes. But the thing is, when you ride a big motorbike, you've got to wear these outfits, Bruce, that are remarkably... Unflattering. Unflattering. <laughs> very, very unsexy. It depends if you're a motorbike rider or not. <laughs> I think there are people who think they're dead sexy in that, uh, those outfits. In, those, in that gear. So what Preston went and did is he created a whole series of designs, particularly denim and camo designs, where he used the sexiest shapes and figures and forms that he could come up with, with the odd little bit and piece on the design itself that really made the clothing fashionable. And inside, he Teflon coated the jeans. He put protection, all the protection that typically a bike rider would need. So, so all now, the stuff that usually appeared on the outside went on the inside. Went on the inside and you looked like $100 wearing it. Yeah. You looked really good. And what's interesting about that particular business is that bike riders have a very particular culture. And that culture is fairly universal. And because it's such a niched market, it's such a select group of people that are easy to reach. In getting the product established over here, it's easy to, for example, go anywhere in the world. And through one or two or three points of contact, you can reach the same bike riders who have the same issues and the same desires. And that is a classical example of how to turn around and say, well, I'm going to develop my product in the local market, and it's a small market, but the addressable market globally, which is easy to reach because it's so specific, is probably, what, 30 million people, 50 million people. Brilliant, brilliant opportunity it is so, for this environment. It is so clever because you can learn in a small market. You can make your mistakes in a small market. You can learn from the market. You can get feedback from that market because it is fairly small and intimate. You can go on breakfast runs. You can hang about where, where bikers hang out in, in Gauteng, certainly Hot Bestport sort of area where uh, on a Saturday and a Sunday morning, lots of the bikers go to the restaurants and things and have a cup of tea, have a cup of coffee. You can, you, they are your market. You can use them as guinea pigs in that market. You can, you can really learn about it. So you develop the product here, you manufacture it here or elsewhere, I suppose, um, and you then feed into the universal culture of people who, who like to ride big, noisy motorbikes. Very much so. And in fact, you know, as much as we, we live here, so we think that the eyes of the world are on us, they really, quite frankly, are not. It makes it a perfect, perfect breeding ground, breeding ground for exportable products. Below the purview, in other words, we're building it in tall grass. No one can see us coming. If we test it here and we get it right, as long as you've got a clearly defined market, Bruce, you have an exportable product. So that's one of the strategies that you can follow. I love that strategy. I'm looking forward to finding out more from Pablo Fatidis this evening. He is the Managing Director of Auric Business Incubator. He is here to share his wisdom with us this evening on small business. Are you in that export market? Have you tried and failed? Are you on the brink of success or are you just starting out? Pablo Fatidis is in studio with me this evening here on The Money Show. We're talking about how you cope with a weak RAND environment. It's enough to get depressed about 
about, or you can use it as an opportunity as Preston, the manufacturer of cool biker gear in the South African market and using that market as his testing ground to launch a global brand for bikers. Um, So that's one great strategy. Give me another. Okay, so let's think about how you can export our cultural heritage. And I'm going to give you two examples over here. Amorula. The Stell have done it already. There we go. Yeah, but they're a big business. Everyone forgets that they were a very, very small business. Yeah. So let's talk about two people who are doing this right. The first example is an entrepreneur that I've done some work with called Songhezo Baleni. And Songhezo Baleni, who's based in Durban, incidentally, Bruce, has an interesting cultural heritage. As a young boy, he had to be a shepherd. So he herded cattle. And that was his job. And if he didn't do it right, he used to get bluxom by his father. So herding cattle can be a very, very tedious experience. Absolutely. And in that process, he used to go and break reeds. He used to weave reeds. And in weaving them, he created a whole lot of shapes to contain, to shield, etc. and so forth. He's taken his knowledge in weaving He's built... So self-taught. Self-taught. Yeah. He's then gone and taken his imagery of what he used to weave and today weaves jewelry using South African mined platinum and South African mined gold. And he creates a unique set of jewelry features which are finding their place in the international market. And Bruce, no one can compete against that. It's unique. It's original, unique design. And the design of that jewelry comes from years and years and years of a cultural heritage. A second example, Bayeda Marketing, Antoinette from Wurten, she is one of our business accelerators that has run on 702 before, went and struck a really interesting deal with King Goodwill Zuelatini. Yes. And she got his coat of arms. And that coat of arms, she has secured the rights to exploit on retail products. So, for example, she went and created a series of wines, a Pinotage, a Shiraz, a Merlot. The coat of arms sits on the bottles of wine, and over and above it, there's some beadwork that sits around the neck of the wine. Which is all well and good. I, I'm Googling frantically now the coat of arms of King Goodwill's Zuelatini because I, I cannot uh, picture um, his coat of arms for a moment. Um, is that not half the problem um, that she might face when it comes to exporting or creating? In a, South Africa. In, in South Africa. In South Africa. Okay. Um, okay, carry so on. So she had a small order quite recently, about two months ago, for 60,000 bottles of wine which have gone off to Brazil. There's another order pending for about double that quantity to go off to China. Because what a retailer is looking for overseas, Bruce, is something, it's a point of difference. If we think our retailers are taking pain over here, so too overseas are retailers taking pain. And if you have a point of difference, a product that nobody else has in that overseas market, you then have an opportunity to charge a slight premium with a story behind it. I'm looking at the branding and it's magnificent. Um, and you look, you look at, and, and we, we're familiar with by appointment to Her Majesty the Queen, bottles of gin uh, and all of these sorts of things that people have got the royal seal of approval in the United Kingdom for a long time. And she's taken that concept and she's gone to King Goodwill Zuelatini and said, right, by appointment to His Majesty King Goodwill Zuelatini uh, Bekozulu. 
And she's got the coat of arms, and they're Bayerde projects, but she also labels them as job creation products. So the, the multiple layers of royal appointment. Um, then also there's the feel-good factor that when you buy this, you are supporting people who need your help. It sort of takes on a, uh, it, it takes on a, a social context as well. It's huge. And if you think about the European context, Europe, Europe is stemmed still with the legacy of monarchy. So there's a relationship with monarchy, mm-hmm. both good and bad, but people are aware of it. At the same time, in many instances, especially in Northern Europe and in the UK, a consciousness around the products you're buying, do they add value beyond just simply satisfying me? Do they have a social good? It's still very, very prevalent. Mm. And she's capitalized on both of them. I think I mean, I'm just going. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I am listening to you. I'm just now quite captivated by Bayede products for men, products for women. They're the brands, um, and there's all sorts of other stuff going on there. So basically, she is again cultivating a homegrown a brand, if you like, um, and taking this and, and making it global. Get the king to sign uh, uh, the, the labels as well of the products, and there you have your by royal appointment. Absolutely right. So let me tell you, someone who's taken that a step further. This particular entrepreneur, whose name is Martin Brown, had a heinous, horrible accident at the age of 26. He dived into the vol. There was a sandbank there. And in an instant, Martin became a quadriplegic. It's a horrible story. And what he's gone and done with this, Bruce, is he has created a company that manufactures 4 by 4 wheelchairs. I've met him. Exactly. What a guy. He is an incredible, incredible individual, that. Incredible individual. But he has the opportunity that he identified. Using his intellectual property, the experience of his circumstances, a business that he has built, he realized that one of the most difficult features to deal with as a quadriplegic stuck in a wheelchair is that you have a catheter. Mm. When that catheter fills up, if somebody does not empty it, the urine comes back up the catheter and you can get Terrible horrendous infections. diseases mm. in your bladder. So Martin went and he developed a solenoid which has a self-release capability for a catheter. He uses it on his wheelchairs. He's got IP protection around it by way of a patent. And he's now offering it into all the other wheelchair manufacturers that didn't have this as a feature before. So there is a South African using his brain's capability, wit, and experience that created a small, simple innovation, protected it, and is serving a global market. Okay, so if I was to summarize, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, um, if you're feeling depressed, downtrodden, and thinking that your small business is going to go absolutely nowhere because the world is against you, catch a wake-up? In part, catch a wake-up. But look to fit into... uh, It's not as bad as you think here. It's bad everywhere. Right. So look at the Rand dollar, look at what we've got, work with what you've got, and find a way to add value to people abroad using that Rand dollar to your advantage. And Bruce, I'm seeing reams and reams of opportunities at the moment. If I'm seeing them and entrepreneurs are deriving them, think entrepreneurially and you'll find your gap. It's fabulous. Just take us through just a quick. Um, so, so we've got the clothing made by my, made by Preston. Okay, so let's run through it very quickly. quickly. Build a niche export opportunity yep. like Preston. Yeah. Create an emerging uh, uh, no. Build a heritage export opportunity like Bayerda and Songhezo. Create a piece of a puzzle through innovation and intellectual property, like Martin. 
And I've got about six or seven other examples, yeah. You know what? We've got lots of time, but just not tonight. Exactly. Pavlo Fatidis from Auric Business Incubator. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing the wisdom once again. What some fabulous stories. And I smell a couple of shapeshifters, producer. Let's get hold of some of these people and let's get some more detail. Let's get them into the studio. And let's learn from them and their experience as to how they are using what many of us might regard as some really tough, uh, a really tough environment. And let's, let's all learn from, from the experience of others. I'm just looking at this by Yede website. Uh, it's presidential.co.za. That is the website. And there are the details of Bayede. Very, very good, solid branding opportunity coming through for an export market. We'll get a little more about these people in the next couple of months.